This interview is made possible by my friends at Athens Screen Printing, HP Overhead Door Company, Speedy Tech Repair, Tinsley Law and Title, and Gibson Pharmacy. Their sponsorship allows me to provide free content to the community. Please say thank you by shopping these local businesses and by following each of their Facebook pages. Good morning, friends. This is Michael from Hannigan Media, and I am in the office of Henderson County Sheriff Bodie Hill House. Good morning, Sheriff. Good morning. How you doing, Mike? I am doing great. We were outside enjoying the weather, talking a little bit of uh, local football, which yes, is sir. always something we enjoy, but we need to get really into this fast because we have a lot to cover in today's podcast arson, road rage shootings, domestic violence, stolen property. It's just a packed uh, podcast. So let's get going and start right off with the stats. Yes, sir. Since we met last week, we've booked in 57 individuals, um, 15 females, 42 males. We've got 383 in custody today. Our average so far this year in custody has been 365. Uh, 105 of the 383 are out-of-county inmates, Freestone, Orange, Rockwall, and Van Zandt County. All right, so we've had that really high number of out-of-county for a few weeks now, mainly because of Orange County. However, you said that there's some news on that front with the marshals. Yes, the marshals, we uh, uh, did enter into an agreement with them, and they are bringing us to sometime today we will have 20 uh, United States Marshal contract inmates in custody today also. What a difference between the way the contract with the U.S. Marshals went and the contract with ICE went. Yes, ICE took us four years, and the Marshals, we've been talking to them for a couple of months. Do you think maybe that's just because since you already have a federal contract with ICE that it might have helped speed things up a little? It did. It, that did help, but... Actually, another point that uh, I didn't, I was unaware of, was in the uh, late '90s. Evidently, um, the administration had a contract to house U.S. marshals in the late '90s. Oh, and so we already had registration numbers. We already had oh, wow. a lot of the stuff um, on file with the marshals that I, I didn't even know was before my time. So yeah, so. I guess technically this is just an extension. An extension, just picking back up where we were in the 90s. Yes. Uh, and no one ever knew. Yes. No one even knew until we signed up for it. That's interesting. All right, but that's a good thing because, again, we talk about this every time we talk about the stats, but those contracts um, are money coming into the county. That's um, funds that helps defer the cost of running the jail and money that uh, doesn't have to come from local taxpayers. Yes, and I did the, on the first, I did the out-of-county bill, out billing um, to the other counties, and for the month of September, I billed uh, $200,000 is what the county. Wow, $200,000. I remember, uh, and I don't remember the year, uh, but I remember when uh, commissioners and uh, then-county judge David Holstein were going around the county trying to pitch this idea for a bond to build a jail. And one of the things they kept on saying was, there will be enough capacity where we can actually make some money. And so, hey, they were right. Yes, they were. 
So there you go. All right, let's move on. We, we have a couple of really interesting cases, different cases than we would normally see around here. And one of them involves an arson case that uh, you made an arrest on this week. Would you tell us about that? Yes, on October the 5th at around 7 p.m., we received a call. Um, there was a fire at a, a water treatment plant just outside of Athens in the Dogwood Estates area. And deputies responded along with the Henderson County Fire Marshal's Office. We're working hand-in-hand -hand with the Fire Marshal's Office on this case. And the deputies were actually um, on scene and received information from a witness. And the deputies were able to locate uh, Brandon Neely at a residence. And uh, through the investigation, they learned that Neely was the one that uh, started the fire there at the water treatment plant on Thursday and no actually on Monday I'm sorry and uh, we started digging into that well the previous Thursday on October 1st we had another water treatment plant fire and another um, criminal mischief to another location at a water treatment plant and the investigation showed that Brandon Neely was the suspect in all three of them he has been arrested and is currently in jail today um, for two arson uh, cases and a criminal mischief case. Young man. Yes, he's 18 years old. So there's an interesting connection to social media with this. Yes, the investigators continue to uh, investigate these offenses. They're doing an outstanding job. Investigator William Thornton brought information to me um, yesterday, late yesterday evening, and it appears that Neely was actually doing TikTok videos and recording the response from law enforcement, from first responders, from the fire department and law enforcement at the fires that he had set. So he sets the fires, he hangs around when the, the fire department shows up, he starts videoing it and posting it to TikTok. Yes. That is a little disturbing to me yes. in a lot of different ways. Yes, we're just thankful that we uh, were able to locate him and, and uh, get it stopped. So what what kind of offense is arson? Uh, it's going to be a second-degree felony, so he's looking from 2 to 20 in the uh, penitentiary. Oh, wow. Yeah, and arson's not a, not a small offense. No, um, no. And so that's multiple counts of arson too, yes. I would I know I know we're not at that point that's going to be for the district attorney right to, to figure out and all that but we're talking about multiple instances of arson yes and we've actually charged him with two different counts of arson right now now it will go to the district attorney's office go to a grand jury and they'll make the ultimate charging right uh decision but uh, yes he is looking at multiple offenses nobody hurt no. luckily in the incident in in the incidents right uh, which is always the danger, and if a firefighter gets hurt in what ends up being an arson case, that person can get charged for the injury, can't they? Yes, it actually can upgrade the punishment. Wow. All right, so let's move on. Uh, another different kind of case. Um, there was a shooting that you guys worked um, that was connected to a road rage incident. Yes, right after the arson case on Monday. Uh, that happened at 7 o'clock. Well, at about 8.30 that afternoon, um, about an hour and a half later, deputies responded to the Dollar General located south of Chandler on FM 315. 
um, in reference to a shooting that happened there at the Dollar General. And they conducted the investigation, and the investigation showed that it actually, um, two vehicles were involved in a road rage incident, and th- one of the vehicles pulled over at the si- on the side of the road right in front of the Dollar General. The other vehicle pulled into the Dollar General, so the, the second vehicle pulled in there. There was an all- a physical altercation, and then... Uh, after the physical altercation was over, um, the suspect, uh, Josh, Joshua Artie, pulled a firearm, a 9mm handgun, and shot a victim, shot at him twice, shot, shot at the victim twice, actually striking him once, and uh, missed him on the second shot. And he was sent to, the victim was sent to UT Health and Tyler for treatment. Uh, he is in stable but critical condition. Um, there we're keeping up with his status there Um, now Artie had left the location and we went deputies went and located him at a residence there on the east end of the county uh, and then conducted the investigation further and he was arrested and is in custody right now for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and unlawful carrying of a weapon okay can you tell us what triggered this i mean we say road rage but somebody cut somebody off what happened uh pretty much i mean they they were uh one vehicle uh, got upset at the other vehicle just basically because of how they were driving um they one of them was tailgating the other and, oh yeah okay tailgating will do that to you sometimes yes. <laughs> It'll get you a little upset although pulling a gun and shooting someone's probably a bit much yes uh question um the suspect was he carrying that weapon legally he well the way texas law is you don't necessarily have to have a license to carry um to have a vehicle concealed a weapon concealed in your vehicle um if you're heading to your residence so at first yes it was illegal he was legal having the weapon until he committed an offense. Once he commits an offense, then it becomes unlawful carrying of a weapon. So it's kind of confusing, but so so actually having the weapon itself is not. You know what? This reminds me <laughs> of the um, eight liners. They're they're not illegal by themselves. Right. If you use them the wrong way, they become illegal. Yes. And so even, that's what we're saying with the gun. Carrying the gun was fine. Then he used it in the commission of a crime, it becomes illegal. Yes, yes. All right. Um, And so guarded but stable condition for the victim. Um, Hopefully that bodes well and they're going to be okay. Is that? We're we're hoping. I mean, we're hoping. Uh, He is in a critical condition over stable but critical, and we're staying in contact with them over there, and uh, hopefully he can pull through. All right. Pull over, let the person who's annoying you go. Drive away. And drive away uh, because it can lead to some real troubles. Yes. All right. Um, Okay. It's October. Yes. Um, This is actually, let's see, I think October 1st was Thursday. Yes. So this is our first podcast in October. 
Uh, and October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Yes. Uh, not just in Texas, but in all of uh, the United States. Um, and I know that you spend a lot of time dealing with domestic violence in our community, whether it be the crime itself or working with organizations like the Family Peace Project, the East Texas Crisis Center, the Help Center, those kinds. Um, what kind of problem do we have in Henderson County when it comes to domestic violence? Would you categorize it as a big problem? How would you categorize it? <clears throat> I really would. I, would, I really would say it was a, it's one of the, the largest issues that we have here in Henderson County. But unfortunately, it's really, it's not just Henderson County. It's all across the nation, and that's why uh, this is Domestic Violence Month, across Awareness Month across the nation. Um, but, uh, I mean, we, we do respond to a lot of domestic violence calls um, every day, seven days a week. So you would, you would say it's a huge problem in Henderson County? Unfortunately, that's nothing new, though, because it's a huge problem in Kaufman County. It's a yes. huge problem in Smith County. Um, unfortunately, it's a huge problem across the nation. Um, and we have had way too many incidents that have ended in um, death yes. in Henderson County. This, this is not, you know, sometimes you think domestic violence and you think these small incidents, and these are not small incidents. They usually start out small, but a lot of times they can come into something larger and somebody ends up losing their life. I also know or I've heard that um, one of the most dangerous kinds of calls that law enforcement can go answer is a domestic call like that. That's, that's very true. Um, you know, a lot of times the victim who is being assaulted uh, wants help and ends up calling uh, law enforcement for help and then when law enforcement gets there they really don't want the loved one in trouble they really don't want the law the loved one going to jail and so whenever law enforcement gets there we kind of sometimes end up being the bad guy per se and they can turn into a it's a very volatile situation in a lot of occasions and that's really one of the things i think that people who are not in an abusive relationship or who have not been um, exposed to domestic violence they don't understand because you know if you haven't been in those situations it seems automatic to say well why you just stay there right but there's such a psychology around it there's so much around it and by the time you're getting to the point where you're getting called in for something like that you're talking about a victim that may have been groomed for years yes um, who is um, uh, isolated financially, isolated from family, and just the entire, um, the entire, their entire lives are wrapped around this abuse by the time you guys show up. Yes, and then that's where it can turn bad. And so one of the things I know that, and, and I, I'm drawing a blank, I want to talk about this, but I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name of it. There is a group um, that meets, I think, at the Help Center, and it includes the district attorney and you and the crisis center and all of the people that are work in this area, and you work together uh, and in Henderson County on this. Um, and I know that it's something that not all counties have. Can you talk about that? Yes, we have an outstanding group that meets uh, meets monthly at the Help Center, 
and it's uh, people from um, law enforcement agencies, prosecutor agencies, um, child protective services, um, a lot of the uh, different organizations, the crisis center, the help center, um, the school districts have representatives there. I mean, any basically county government, a volunteer government that uh, work to uh, combat any domestic violence issue we're all there and it's basically a brainstorm and we go through cases and they pull up a case and you talk about that specific case and what what do we need is it ready for prosecution do we need to take another step do we need to interview do we need to get more documentation do we need to get medical records um the medical staff is there also uh so basically it's a big brainstorming group on each case that uh is at the help center and it's a it's 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 really a, a great tool that we have because the investigators sometimes i mean we we get the case we work the case we work these cases every day and then when you take the case to a board like that somebody else has got a different idea and so it's it's always a good thing to get everybody's input and make sure that our cases are tight well, and the other part of that, too, is you develop that working relationship with all of those agencies. Yes. Um, I have spoken um, not just with law enforcement, but with people from CPS, with with advocates who run agencies. And in some of our counties, um, they don't they don't have that kind of working relationship and it causes real problems and it makes it difficult for victims. Just little things like the ability to get a, um, a restraining order or that kind of yes. thing. And in Henderson County, a lot of that because of the relationships that are built between the agencies, a lot of that kind of stuff works a little better here in Henderson County. I really feel it does too. I mean, whenever you're working a case and, and a victim needs something and you, you know you've got a friend basically because I mean when you work with them all the time and they become friends and part of your family really your working family uh, you can pick up the phone 24 hours a day you know they're going to answer your phone call and you're going to get the help for whoever it is you're looking for yeah it's 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 vital that our stakeholder organizations when it comes to the domestic violence do that and um I've been covering this for years, and I am always told the same thing about how Henderson County is lucky to have those kind of um, connections and that kind of working relationship, because um, it wasn't always that way. That's correct. And so it's really good to have that now. All right. I want to finish up with something that we talked about last week. Um, you had some stolen property that you had put out on... Uh, Facebook, uh, and we talked about and we shared about uh, that that stolen property, uh, and you had some good news out of that. I really did, and once again, I want to thank everybody for uh, watching our Facebook page and sending in tips, and they, they truly do help. We had a truck, tractor, and trailer mower stolen in the Brownsboro area last week. I posted it on Facebook. We got some tips coming in. Uh, which led us to an organization actually up in Kaufman County. Uh, the Kaufman County Sheriff's Office, um, we reached out to them. 
they were a tremendous help. We actually shut down a ring of uh, individuals that were um, stealing trucks and trailers and tractors and motorcycles and four-wheelers uh, behind this tip that we got. And then later that night, the investigators continued to work the case. We were able to recover the truck that was stolen out of Brownsboro um, in the Dallas area. And then we actually was able to recover the trailer and tractor, the rest of the stolen stuff, right outside of the Brownsboro area here. And it uh, all was basically, we, we put it out to the public. Um, it got some attention. It got uh, it was shared several, several times. And um, that truly does help people. And to be honest with you, when people started sharing it, the folks that were in the organizations got nervous and started trying to move the stuff and that's where we were able to get behind them so it, wow. it worked out all all the areas the, uh, just like we wanted it to and uh, we really appreciate the public's help so that's interesting the just the um activity on your facebook page surrounding the property got the bad actors to start making mistakes as well yes they were they started panicking and trying to get rid of stuff and wow. it led us to them that's that's really interesting. All right, so this um, amplifies the message that we that we do almost every week on the podcast, which is the public is an important part of what happens here at the sheriff's office. Um, the sheriff's office listens to tips, checks out tips, and they are vital. Uh, and so, uh, Sheriff, would you share the, fo the phone numbers, the contact information, how people can get a hold of you with tips? Yes, uh, you can always call the Sheriff's Office at 903-675-5128. You can go through Henderson County Crime Stoppers at 1-800-545-TIPS. Or you can send me a private message on the uh, Henderson County Sheriff's Office Facebook page. I'm the administrator, the only one that has the uh, codes to that. So if you're sending a tip, you're talking directly to me, and uh, I will reach back out to you, and we'll follow up. All right. Well, there you go, folks. We're going to wrap it up with that. Sheriff, thank you very much for the time, for uh, a chance to let us uh, look inside our Sheriff's Office. Um, and we can't wait to see you next week. Yes, sir. Thank you.